Good to be with you all. You know, every time we come to the liturgy, there are some things that we can just go through by rote, and we forget these are there. So once in a while, uh, we bring attention to them to remind ourselves these are there, and they could have some special significance in the here and now. I'd like to point to the fact that when we finish all of our work together in worshiping every Sunday, there is a kind of a commissioning that takes place. We call it the post-communion prayer, and it has several elements. But the element I would like to point to today is the fact that we are sent. We are sent to do some work. Now that we've done some work of praying and proclaiming the gospel as a gathered body of Christ, we are anticipating that we are sent forth to do some work as the scattered body of Christ. So I'm going to look at that last prayer that we do, uh, the post-communion prayer. It appears for us on page 12, and it has uh, this language in it. And now, Father, right in the middle, and now, Father... Send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. Wow. Send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. Now, the same kind of expectation is built into our baptismal covenant so that every time somebody is baptized, we go through this covenant as a renewal of our own commitment. And one of the clauses of our covenant is the same kind of thing. It says, you know, the celebrant asks all of us the question, will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ. Will you do that? And we say, very humbly, I think, we will with God's help. Will we proclaim by word and example the good news of Christ? And we do that. And I know that you do that. I know you're busy people. And there are things that demand your efforts and your concentration. Sometimes in the home, sometimes at the office, sometimes out in the field. There are things that demand your efforts. Much of that is for the good of, of humanity. It's for the good of your family. It's for your good. It's for your company's good. It's for your household's good. It is probably good for the entire society. So that's part of the work of God. But there are other things too, right, that are not in your job description, that are probably not in your, your grandparenting or parenting unwritten job description, but they come up. They come up by surprise. It is the work of God. I was fascinated with a story of a man who... Um, ran across somebody, and he doesn't usually respond to things like this, but he was asked for some help, and it involved getting him some food and some other things. And he said, you know, my church is very involved with outreach, so I'm going to give him a call. Well, he couldn't reach the church office, and he he couldn't reach the pastoral care team, and he 
he texted the rector and he couldn't get the rector and he couldn't get the assistant and he thought oh I'm running out of time. What, what is it you need again? And so he got him some food and he got several other things that he needed and a referral from the uh, local uh, outreach agency. And um, then when he saw the priest, he was a little irritated and he said, you know, we're all about outreach at our church, but I couldn't reach anybody. And the church is supposed to do this kind of outreach. So this is what I did. He says, well, it sounds like the church did. <laughs> Suddenly he realized that he is the church. That, yes, it's better if he can get everything moving in the normal way and, and there's somebody to uh, pick up that phone call, but the church did reach out to the person in need because he did it. And these are the kinds of things that surprise us, but they come in so many forms, I can't even begin to outline a list for you. You've done them yourselves. Those are the deeds of the good news. And there's also the word of the good news that needs to come out. Now, you may not think you are equipped to articulate the love of God or, uh, or the, uh, the particular presence of Christ to people in the world. Are you crazy? Of course you're good at that. You know what God means to you. You know how God has helped you in your life. Of course you can articulate that. So if it comes up and you have a chance to give an account of the hope that's in you because of your life in Christ, then of course you will be able to do it. The scriptures today are about God getting God's work done through people. And certainly one of the manifestations of that was David and one was Paul and, and one was the, the 12 that were gathered around Jesus. But the other thing that's true about that is not only do they have work to do for God, they will also have problems, every one of them. Have you ever known anyone who goes through life and has complications? I think you do. Sometimes I have, and I still cling to it. It's a, it's a bizarre, you'd think I'd learn. I expect life to maybe be troubled and troubled and troubled and then come up here to this nice plateau and just smooth. How many years can I go without a single problem? actually that's never happened and it never will because life is a sawtooth experience it is ups and downs and just when we think we're we're experiencing a moment of strength we're plummeted to an experience of weakness poor david who had been anointed all those years ago by Samuel the priest, he went through turbulence like it's hard to imagine. When you read the story of David, he had obstacles, he had resistance, he had problems. And they came from everywhere. They came from inside his own heart. This phrase will mean something to you if you've read the story of David. If you don't recognize it, look it up. 
Remember the phrase from Nathan, the prophet, when he said, Oh, David, you, you are the man. And his heart went way down. There's a story of failure. And the prophet Nathan pointed out that he was the problem. When he said, you are the man, it's not like in our modern colloquialism, you are the man. No, this is like you are that man that failed. In the story, that's you. Surely you remember from music or from reading the Bible, the lament, oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son. Because what David experienced was the loss of his own loved ones, the, the battling of his own sons. You remember he went up against Goliath. You remember he went up against his own, uh, his own king, Saul. So from what angle did David not have resistance? From no angle did he avoid problems and resistance. Not inside his heart, not from his own family, not from his own nation, and not from outside the nation was he free of difficulty. And Paul attests to the fact that to follow Christ is to have resistance and difficulty and weakness. This is an unusual passage uh, in the second of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, but he's talking about boasting. The lead, we, we're missing the lead-in sentence to this passage, but he says, you know, I may boast, but let me explain something. And he goes on to say, uh, there was this man who had this religious experience. I mean, he was sent to the third level of heaven. Uh, I mean, he was in paradise. And the things he saw and heard are almost indescribable. The reason he's putting it that way, because he's speaking about himself, but he has set himself up. He says, I'm going to boast here. But then he tells about this man who had this experience. He says, I'm not boasting about that. I'll tell you what I'm going to boast about. I'm going to boast about my own weakness. These are the things that I've been through. These are the ways that I came up short. These are the ways that I couldn't have possibly made it except for the wonder of God's help to me. I am a figure of weakness and trouble. In bluegrass, we'd say, I'm a man of constant sorrows. And that's Paul. And he says, I can boast about that because the Lord has told me that in my weakness shall I experience strength. I will boast about my weakness. Calamities, difficulties. The gospel today is about Jesus experiencing flack, resistance, trouble from his own town, from his own neighbors, from his own family. When he comes there, they want to know, what is this wisdom? What is this message? What are these acts of power? And they took offense at him. 
We know him, nothing but a carpenter. We know his family. He's rising in the community's awareness, and we're taking offense at that. So did that bring Jesus down? Did that just crush him? Did that wipe out his ministry? Did that end his, his preaching? Instead, what Jesus does is he, he almost says without saying it, you can't stop this. You cannot stop this, whatever your attitude. And he takes his 12 that follow him, and he sends them out two by two, and he asks them to travel light. But he says, you go and you, you proclaim about repentance, about people turning away from the things that are destroying them and toward the things that will build them up. And you anoint those people, and they will experience release from the things that are pulling them apart. And those spirits will scatter. And they did. And you anoint people who are injured or sick, and they were cured. You just can't stop it. So as one person who encounters resistance to a whole bunch of us. I say that it is God who is sending us out. So as we take this nourishment of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we absorb the scriptures that were read here, take them as a bolstering element and then as we leave here, let us take seriously our own prayer to God. Send us out. Send us out into the world to do the work that you have made for us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. I look forward to hearing stories of your encounters of how you were tapped to do this or that good thing for the Lord. Amen. Amen.